Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of This Game Where. Very special one, re-recorded. My name's Ashley and the other one is... It's Chris. He gave everyone a peek behind the curtain there, like the Wizard of Oz, the man yeah, behind the curtain. Yeah, showing him the wizard. Yeah. It's like, are you the wizard? Am I Dorothy then? No, I'm the, I'm the curtain. You're the wizard. <laughs> Do you want to be Dorothy? Is that what you want? I'd love to be Dorothy. This sounds like nonsense. I haven't actually explained what's going on. <laughs> so this is, it won't really matter to people listening, so I don't even know why I'm explaining. But I, I like to be honest with everybody. This is the second go around on this episode because, because Audacity messed up the file as I was editing it. So this is a bit of a... This is a redo, which means that even though we're both going to play along with the format that we have at the beginning, Chris is very aware of what the game is. So don't be surprised if he guesses it right away, everybody. Um, we, we've done 50 odd minutes. We recorded the first episode, didn't yeah. we? the first version of this. So can't even open it. It's great. I feel dead good about it. Isn't that sarcasm, I think? It's definitely sarcasm. It's anger as well. Frustration. Frustration. Yeah. How are you? Are you all right? I'm great, thanks. Having dragged you away from your life in the middle of the day. I was fine. I was playing some Rollercoaster Tycoon 3 again. That seems to be my daughter's mm. go-to game at the moment. She made another block of toilets called Poo House. That's her favourite thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it's my favourite thing to do as well. We call our downstairs toilet the Poo House. <laughs> and she's also, she made this uh, boulevard of shops and things like that. So there's like drink stands and first aid store. And, and then there's a toilet right in the middle of them. And I, I, I explained to her that, you know... It, that maybe wouldn't you know, be the nicest thing in real life. I said, imagine you had gone to a theme park and there was a, uh, it was a, a store that sold Hot foam, stand, foam hands. Ice and cream stand, poo stand. Exactly. <laughs> and I tried to explain to her that that's maybe not what, I mean, I, I understand, you know, it, it's not real life, etc. And she was just completely, she's like, meh, I'm, I'll put it there anyway. Yeah, I'd, I'd go to her theme park. You, you would. Irrespective of the potential toilet issues i did feel a bit you know you must play properly it must be realistic (laughs) do do not explore do not be creative there must be rules don't do it your way do it the right way exactly (laughs) very good parenting yep i love it so we should probably kick into this so we don't spend another hour talking about this game that we both know quite a lot about now Mm. This week, it's this game where you are a survivor crash-landed on a, on an aquatic alien planet tasked with your own survival and escape. So, I did not know what the game was when we first did this. However, as it's the second time round, I know full well it is Subnautica. Yeah, so Subnautica. And do you know anything about Subnautica? Let's pretend that you don't. <laughs> so, I'm going to... This is so weird. I'm going to relive my Eureka moments from when we first did this. So I, I That's the reason I'm feeding you a line, because yeah, I cheers. know that you said something. I remember you said something really genuinely interesting. <laughs> so okay, uh, do you so, know anything about Subnautica? Well, I think that it's going to be something about underwater exploration, because sub is the uh, Latin prefix for under, and nought is the Latin root word for exploring, like uh, astronaut, cosmonaut. I suppose also the game Scribblenauts. Is about exploring. Ah, and yeah, yeah, that's so. Mm. It's going to be something about that. Yes, yes, it is. So, Subnautica. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, is a game where you play a crash survivor. When I say crash survivor, I mean spaceship crash. Oh, well, not and crash it's not Bandicoot. necessarily a no, not like Crash Bandicoot. No right. bandicoots were harmed or even <laughs> used in the making of this game. I do believe you are an astronaut of some kind, and you work for a company called Altera. And Altera, I mean I, that. If you look at the root word on that, Alt terror i think it's like presumably are a company that are looking for alternative versions of earth like earth-like planets or something like that is t-e-r-a for t-e-r-r-a 
Terra. Yeah, yeah, that's Earth, like subterranean, etc. Yeah. That's all to do with Earth. Yeah, so that's what I thought it was. It Terra. was. I thought it was Terra as in T E double R O R. No, no, no. Um, Old Terra. So they're presumably this space exploration company. Um, the game opens up with the large spaceship that you're on, the Aurora, actually in the process of blowing up in in the middle of space, and you right. are already in an escape pod, uh, ready to leave the Aurora. So very dramatic um, the, start then. Oh, extremely dramatic. Yeah, like enter in Medea's res, uh, as the Shakespearean academics would say. What's that mean? I don't know that. In the Medea's res is anything that starts in the middle of the action. So a lot of Shakespeare plays opened up. This is new. We didn't talk about this in yeah. the last episode. In Shakespeare, a lot of the a lot of his plays they open and they'll be in the middle of an argument. So you enter ah. the action in the middle of something already going on, a dispute that's already happening. So Romeo and Juliet's the perfect example. You open up the the play opens up and they are already fighting. The Capulets and the Montagues are they're actually in the middle of a fray in the middle of the street. And there's that famous line, I bite my thumb at you. Yeah. Do you bite your thumb at me? All of that. So it's in Medea's res and the game does it. And actually a lot of, a lot of dramas do it. A lot of, well, a lot of entertainment does it. So if you watch television, a lot, a lot of the time you will have something open up in a dramatic moment in the story and then it will yeah. go from there. It, it's in. a way to kickstart everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Listen to us. We are six minutes in and we've talked about Shakespeare. We've talked about etymology. <laughs> we are on fire. Apparently so. Just like the space pod that you escape in, because Smooth. actually you you start plummeting. You you are in this escape pod. It is jettisoned from the Aurora, and you fall to this alien planet below. And in the process of your descent, you are knocked out. And when you come back to, uh, you have actually landed already in the pla- on the planet, actually on the ocean. You get knocked out in the escape pod. Yeah. As you're, as you're descending, there's a piece of like, I think it's like a door off a cupboard has fallen off in the tumult and it's flying around and it smacks you in the head and you get knocked out. It's not very secure. Not at all. When you wake up for an escape pod as yeah. well, when you wake up, there's a fire raging in the, in the pod with you and a fire extinguisher on the floor. You have to pick it up and you have to put the fire out and then you can get out of your escape pod through the hatch at the top for your first view of the planet that you've landed on. Mm-hmm. It's a really quite breathtaking first view as well because you open up this pod you take your first steps out and for the first thing that you see actually the first thing that catches your eye is like a manta ray type creature but instead of being in the water it's actually flying in it's floating in the air right and that's like the a this alien world's facsimile of a bird species they these strange manta ray type creatures well again go back to what you said before you know that's your you're being shown this is an alien landscape, this is unusual, this ain't what you're used to, but you're not being yes, explicitly told You're not that. in Kansas anymore. Exactly. As the saying goes. Yeah. That's clever. In the very, in, in the distance is the Aurora. So you're in this tiny escape pod that's big enough for maybe three or four people. And then you've got this huge behemoth of a, of a spaceship that has crashed into the ocean. And it's, it's like a huge, I mean, it's like a massive island in and of itself. It's, it's absolutely massive. And that gives you some sense of scale in terms of how big the world is, the distances between you and the Aurora, uh, and therefore how far the horizon is. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing. So all you've got is the Aurora, your escape pod, and the ocean around you, which obviously means that the only way for you to go is down. Yeah. So you jump into the, you jump off your pod into the uh, water below, and as soon as you break the waves, it, it, the waves. I mean, for a start, the water in this looks 
fantastic the surface of the water the way that it undulates is phenomenal like really 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 great is it better game. than the clip i put on facebook about of ratchet and clank ratchet and clank 2 inside yes. a museum i mean if it's better than that i will be surprised strangely enough it is it is a lot better we've made great we've we've made great strides in our in water creation and water representation in games that game came out in 2002 on the ps2 i refuse to believe that water can get any better than that has got any better i mean it was good for for them but it's we have taken a few steps forward you splash down into the water yourself and immediately are greeted with this very bright vivid landscape in a lot of ways in a, in a lot of other ways it's quite derelict like it feels it's not abundant but it's not dead it's definitely a living world right. and the things that are alive in it they're they're very vibrant colors neons uh neon pinks and greens and yellows and things like that um and they they draw you to them you know it's the sort of the, the plants and the corals sort of because they're so brightly colored they're the first things that you go and explore and to say again so that's the opening they, to the game are they familiar or are they like askew versions of animals fish coral etc that we would know or are they weird and wonderful think, creations or a mixture well that's a good question actually i think it's a mixture the the plants definitely have because corals are quite an alien thing anyway mm. i think in terms of our planet and the the ecosystems that exist coral reefs actually are probably as close to feeling like you're on another planet that yeah. as you'll get and when you're swimming around in them you can lose yourself in in that idea like being somewhere else off off world so the reef systems the planet the plants that make up the reefs in this game they kind of feel realistic in that sense uh, because coral reefs are super strange yeah uh, as far as i'm concerned anyway people might disagree with me if they do disagree with me they can come and let me know uh, that coral reefs are absolutely normal we you can do that on facebook you can do that on twitter uh, you could also before you do that maybe share this podcast maybe like it maybe review it on whatever platform that you're listening on uh, whatever you can do basically to give us a helping hand in terms of reaching other people we would be forever grateful that would be a great idea and you will have our our eternal thanks as well we would actually say thank you i know it's amazing what's it anyways back to coral reefs so coral reefs i think are a bit alien anyway in the game they are alien but they feel familiar as well because of the fact that coral reefs in, in the real world are quite alien mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. somewhat circular logic that but it makes sense certainly to me the fish are another matter altogether so the fish are more akin to the sorts of things that i think you'd find in our abyss so the the deep sea fish species i don't know if you've seen uh, like vampire squid or no no i never or the, well, I, I mean the I angler fish. vampire squid is yeah oh, the anglerfish is amazing i remember when i was in about year two i remember reading a book at school and it had about the anglerfish in it and it completely blew my mind i could not mm. believe that such a thing existed yeah exactly it, and i think there are a plethora of alien species that live on this planet and they and the majority of them are in that twilight zone of the deep sea oceans well, this, um, have it, you heard of the goblin shark no so the goblin shark is resident majoritarily around japanese coasts but there's a place in the japanese coast that is actually a very very deep chasm it goes very very deep down right and it, it's sort of it's like a shelf so the Jap uh, Jap japan the coast of japan it's it just goes sheer and then drops and in this well that's space, it's it's like japan's on uh, the edge of a tectonic plate isn't it that's why they get lots of volcanoes and earthquakes i remember that year nine geography there yeah i mean it's good that you've remembered it well done congratulations i'll Cheers. send you a star <laughs> 
yeah in this in this crater in, in this chasm sorry there are lots of species of shark that are resident only there or resident there and only a few other places one of them is this goblin shark a goblin shark has the normal shark feature but then it's got like a shelf above its head like its forehead juts out really far right and it, it just I'm, I'm showing you visually with it by holding my hands up to my head so if you're a listener if you hold your boat two hands one in front of the other in front of your head that's life as a goblin shark and it has it has this shelf above its head and then it has a mouth a very big sharky mouth but when it wants to catch something this mouth projects out so it, it basically fires its mouth out to grab things out of the ocean and bring it back like one of those uh knock em sock em the fighters with the little fists the toy kind of like that yeah more like you know in you know in acme cartoons you know where they've got the um <laughs> the big hands on the yes exactly yeah. so you you pull the lever and the boxing glove goes out yeah. and in that's what a goblin shark's mouth is like they are quite alien and the creatures the the fish are, are more akin to that and 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 various other twilight zone abyssal creatures as well so you've got ones like the bladder fish Go on. so i was watching this is making me think of i was watching a couple of nights ago the latest david Attenborough series which is on the iplayer it's also on netflix for international listeners so it's called life in color have you watched any of it no no so i love david, david attenborough though yeah well, it's all about it was it was blow my mind a bit it's all about how different animals how they perceive other animals of the same species and how we see it differently and it was it was i was getting quite confused to be honest like sensory systems of of various different animals and how because insects they they can see infrared or something like that and that means that they can see ultraviolet things like that yeah exactly so they see flowers in totally different ways they're like hidden patterns on flowers precisely cool so that on there Yes, it was, yeah. Oh, so right, one, okay, cool. one of the animals they talked about was this thing I'd never heard of before called the peacock mantis shrimp, which is this thing that, I mean, I, I'm imagining from how you described the Subnautica that these are the sort of animals that would live in this game. So the peacock yeah, mantis shrimp. Yeah, I actually know shrimp, the peacock mantis shrimp. It's been on an Attenborough show before. Has it? Right. And you are exactly right. Okay. Like this, if you were to imagine what the creatures in Subnautica are like, I'd say the peacock mantis shrimp is a good starting point, a good a good place to start. Yeah. So for anyone unfamiliar with them, they are this a shrimp that's um, got this kind of weird wavy curtain bit hiding its legs, but it has two it has quite a few unusual features its eyes can see in multiple different directions they're they're sort of independent of each other on on stalks but then it has this thing that actually is like a knock and sock and robot i just talked about a few minutes ago (laughs) this enormous well enormous in proportion to itself this fist that can jut out and and hit creatures and in the show it showed a crab so i don't think the crab was even attacking i think the crab was just having a bit of a, a feel about and then this the peacock mantis shrimp punched it so hard that the claw was just sheared off its body yeah and it was it was absolutely unbelievable but the thing that i found the most incredible about it and this is why i'm talking about animals being unusual it's called a peacock mantis shrimp so as part of its patterns it has got the eyes that the peacocks have on their feathers and it just made me think about how this concept of divergent evolution that obviously a peacock mantis shrimp evolutionarily will have never encountered a peacock yet somehow they've both developed the exact same eye marking yeah it's just it, it really that also blew my mind as well. Which you also see on, say, butterflies and, and mm. other species that feel very removed from the peacock and well, the and the shrimp. Again, it's like Mad- is it Madagascar where yeah. or an island near it where there's things that look very similar to hedgehogs and rabbits that we get in the British Isles. 
that happen to evolve the same features and quirks that just because they've this divergent evolution that that evolutionarily those are the best methods for defense or uh, protecting themselves etc and that's how they've evolved and they happen to be virtually identical i wouldn't be surprised if it's madagascar madagascar's jam-packed full of interesting and unique species that Mm. only appear on on the island itself just going back to the mantis shrimp that you said about its punch shearing off the crab Mm. i i'm pretty sure but i it's a long time since watched the thing that it was on the program that it was on i'm pretty sure that it punches so fast that it creates like a sonic boom in front of its fist and that superheats the water in front of its fist like it boils the water it, I, I, more than boils it's like 2000 degrees or something is heat of the water the the the, the hot water reaches and that can actually kill crabs uh, and other animals uh, fish that come too close and it happens so fast mm. that they don't really have much chance they're either stunned or killed and and the shrimp uh, has has its way with them eats them oh right i thought you meant a different having its way yes i, I realized when i said that 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 didn't sound particularly good so <laughs> you i realized the audience you were playing to yeah um eyes they're the other thing uh, so eyes, in terms of divergent evolution, eyes are really, really interesting because they've evolved so many different times from totally separate evolutionary paths. Mm. So animals that have had nothing to do with each other evolutionarily have still got eyes and the eyes operate in similar ways, mm. if not identical ways. So yeah, if you're interested in, art, in evolution, look into eyes. <laughs> Good stuff. Talking of eyes, there is a fish in the game called a peeper. And the peeper is a fairly standard looking fish, except for the fact that it has a very large, one very large bulbous eye that appears to go from one side of its body right the way through to the other side of its body. So it's like a Ooh. like a cylinder. Instead of being an eyeball, they have an eye cylinder that goes all the way through their body. So that's one of the dreamt up imaginary evolutions uh, of subnautica. There's also the bladderfish, which is where you get your water, which I'll come back to in a moment. But the bladderfish looks like a pair of lungs, basically. It looks like someone stripped the outside of the fish out off or turned it inside out and all that's been left is a, pe- a pair of human lungs, not not fish lungs, because they don't have them, they don't. Um, as, you pro- as I'm sure you know. And there is also a fish called Reginald, which I found <laughs> actually after we recorded the first episode. So Reginald was a, a new fish. He's very, very nutritious. You can eat him and he gives you a lot of a lot of sustenance. It was named after, it's not like those things like animals that are named after the, the binomial name is like, since it was Sonic or since it was Dave Attenborough. Is it yes, something like that? Yeah. It's just called Reginald. 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 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why he's called Reginald. It was just a funny thing to come well, across a, a fish called Reginald. Yeah, that's great. I, I approve wholeheartedly. Yeah, people usually go for Derek or Barry or Gary or something like that as a funny yeah name but actually i think reginald trumps them all and i haven't heard the the name for so long and now fish has called it mm. in a game so very happy to find that the other thing that i was quite happy to find and astonished to find as well it happened fairly early on so i'll tell you this one of the reasons that we're talking about this game is because i really 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 think you would like it it's exploration and mystery based and you dropped into the onto the ocean and then left to for the most part left to figure things out for yourself and i think that it has similarities to other games that you enjoy that have exploration yeah so uh, exploration has been a a definite through line of the things that we both enjoy Mm. so this is another one that i'm trying to sort of tip you towards really 
So is the game, is it just exploration or is there, are you left to own devices or is there kind of a, an overarching goal? Right, well, we'll come to that in a moment. Let me just put a pin in that, okay. uh, as we say, and come back to what I was just about to say. So it's exploration based. And one of the, the other things that I had quite a reaction to uh, very early on in the game. So I'm not necessarily spoiling anything that that won't happen in the first few hours. But I was swimming through the ocean out into what was unexplored territory for me and all through right from the very beginning of the game you can hear sort of whale noises in the background they make up the ambient noise of the game and i just assumed that it was just that it was just ambient sounds that the developers had had put in to make the soundscape of of an ocean people love whale noises people go to sleep to it they do on cds if they if they buy cds anymore yeah i don't know if i could fall asleep while i'm floating in the middle of a wide open ocean um having heard them i think i'd be a little bit terrified i don't know if you have that same sensation of like an open water Mm, that doesn't bother me that much i I, i'm just thinking about whale sounds i just don't find it relaxing personally but each to their own it depends on the whale noise it depends on the whale making the noise even yeah if it was like the the barry white of whales maybe you might be a bit nicer than the sheeran of whales i really 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 want to formulate an impression of a barry white whale but i think i would falls it up completely so i'm not going to even try that's fair so anyway the barry white of wales appears in this game is what i would say i was swimming out into this open ocean area hadn't hadn't been there before and these noises were sort of getting more pronounced and then out of nowhere just looming in the distance was this huge like relative to everything else that i'd experienced this huge shape and it was indistinct but massive i it was so big and so dense and dark that i actually stopped moving in the game i stopped and was genuinely sort of like whoa bit bit tentative about approaching Mm. it i eventually plucked up the courage and and went over swam over to it and it's this very large creature called a reef back leviathan which is the it is the whale of subnautica they are this um sort of shelled creature very very large very large building sized creature that has really long tail like tentacles streaming out behind it and moves very slowly through the water and then obviously it's called a reef back leviathan the top of its shell is all covered in those corals that you see elsewhere in the game and that for me that moment was really what made me go right this is a game this is my game i mm. i really like this because it was quite a magical uplifting strange surreal alien thing that i was getting to experience that was actually making me feel stuff as well like yeah i felt awe in a way that i you very rarely feel in the real world so yeah really nice experience i like how you found that for yourself the game hadn't told you oh maybe go Mm. over here or oh have you seen this animal it lives over here maybe go and explore it or something you you found that for yourself and yeah i'm I'm just thinking it sounds a bit similar to the experience i had when i was playing breath of the wild and i can remember exploring down towards the southeast of the map i think i went over Lake Hylia, I think, is the the bit down there. And there was one of the dragons. So the dragons are these long, thin creatures, and they are absolutely enormous in proportion to Link and to any other animal in the game. Basically everything else, yeah. And and again, they're very peaceful. They just float around doing what they want and and the sheer size of them is it really did impress me when i first saw one and that sounds like 
what you have with this. Actually thinking about it, now that you've said it, I actually had the same experience with that exact same dragon, the electric one. Yeah, it was, yeah. I had the same experience. I actually ran away again from from that dragon. I ra- I watched from a distance as it came in, and then I, I was on the Lake Hylia Bridge, and it started coming closer and closer, and I had no idea whether it was good or bad mm. or what. So I ran away, and it was only several more hours into the game where I plucked up the courage to um to approach it so yeah it, it's a very again a very astute link that you've brought up there and uh, a correct link and actually the the idea of this being like breath of the wild underwater isn't too far away from what it actually is it loosely speaking it, it's not the same gameplay loops but in terms of the exploration side of and the finding things mm-hmm. side of Breath of the Wild that fed into so much of the enjoyment of that game for me, this is that underwater. So you've mentioned finding things. We talked about, or the scanner got mentioned a little bit earlier. So what is the gameplay then? I have started to explain it. The, the exploration is a major part, but actually you are largely, as you would if you crash landed on an alien planet, trying to figure out a way to survive and to escape. So the game is actually, if you look it up on Moby Games, surprisingly to me, it's actually touted as a survival horror game. I would definitely call it a survival game, but as yet, I haven't had anything that would, for me, qualify it wholly as a horror game. I'm notoriously wary of horror games. I don't really like them because they terrify me. Right. Everything so far in this, I've been able to take. Now, when we spoke on Saturday, certain things hadn't happened to me that have now happened in the game yeah and they are more horror orientated but i'm going to hold those back one of the questions i think you asked me on sunday was whether your daughter would be able to take this like it because it sounds like you said it sounds like her sort of thing the way you've talked about it it's reminded me a lot of abzu which is a game i downloaded so it's free on epic games store uh, about September last year, and it was 99p yes. on the Switch, so I bought it on the Switch because I, I preferred you know, to have the, the, the big telly and, and etc. However, I think Abzu is perhaps more on the rails than this is from how you described it. Would yeah. Abzu be a fair comparison more than any other game? I'd say it compares in a lot of ways, because Abzu obviously has this alien feel to it, the art style, even though we're dealing with sharks and fish that we're familiar with in Abzu, the, the art style sort of alienizes them if that's yeah. a word and it's not but you know <laughs> what i mean um and and it does feel like you're discovering things constantly in in abzu yeah in the same way that you discover things in here the difference is that you've already pointed out it's sort of more of an on rails narrative driven event abzu hmm. whereas this is drop you in the ocean leave you to your own devices figure things out as you go it does have a story and i will come to that and it does have some drives that are absent in abzu but it, that if you like abzu i actually think they work well as as companion pieces so if you played them both together i think that would be a really good pairing of games personally there is a crafting side to this oh okay in order to survive you have to take the resources that are available in the world and use them to craft things so um, i've talked about the plants the corals and and the fish the fish for one quite obviously the fish are food and you can choose to play the game without food and water so you can play it how would you without having the you can choose to play it without those being survival pressures. Right. So you still have to you still have to manage your oxygen and get to the surface so that you don't drown, but you don't have to worry about catching fish and turning them into food and water. That's quite nice as a way to make the game more accessible. Yeah, and there's actually a creativity mode. So there's the survive like hardcore survival, which is one life. You survive by eating food, drinking water, making sure you don't 
drowned. Then there's the what I'm playing, which is like the not the hardcore survival, but survival, where you have everything but the one life factor. So you can die multiple times, mm-hmm. um, but you have to manage your food, your water, and your oxygen, and so on. And then you've got a version that is like survival light, which just means that you have to manage your oxygen. The food and the water aren't a problem. So yeah, it's a range of different ways to play. So the crafting element comes into it because you're using the environment to help you with that. So you mentioned the bladder fish being a water supply. Yeah, you turn the bladder fish into water for you to drink. The other fish are are for you to eat, a varying nutrition, nutritious value. Everything else, so like acid mushrooms plus copper. If you find a bit of copper and harvest some acid mushrooms, you can take them back to your pod and you can make yourself a set of batteries if you find a a bunch of other resources so there's like coppers and golds and silvers and leads and lithiums uh, you can harvest the plants and different types of plants you can harvest the fish and and the animals and so on you can harvest sulfur Mm -hmm. lots of different things can be harvested taken back using a fabricator you can then create tools for yourself so the first one that i created with the scanner because i figured that a scanner would allow me to learn more about the world and that is what it did then you can also create a repair tool so one of the things that you have problems with your pod the pod is broken in various ways and if you create the repair tool you can fix things one of which is a radio which matters for the story which we'll loop back to in a moment and as you get through the game you can get more and more complex in the things you create so part of the salvage part sorry part of the crafting experience is going out and scanning things that have actually fallen from the aurora in the descent Hmm. so you might find in the in the ocean on the ocean bed you might find parts of the aurora or other ships that have fallen and and broken up and there might be a portion of a submersible right so you scan that and if you find enough of those portions of, of submersibles around the environment it then gives you a blueprint to build your own little mini one man submarine which then gives you opportunity to travel faster further and deeper is that the thing like a, a sea do the thing that you hold on to with both hands and it i know what you mean i w- i've not known them as sea do's but you it was your hand thing that clued me in that's possibly a brand i remember my, my brother went on a cruise a couple of years ago and he, he used one of those he went swimming with some animal probably dolphins not sharks and he used one of those he said it was great Right. Okay. They're the things that that you hold in front of you, and they're like a little fan uh, that pulls you along yeah. through the water. You do actually have one of those. That comes before ah. the submersible. Um, so, so it's like graded. You can you can move from that to the sea moth, which is your submersible, and then actually there's one called the cyclops, which I haven't found all the pieces for yet, which looks like a very large submersible vessel that presumably gives you more protection and covering, lets you go to deeper areas or something like that. So essentially, all these things—it's your missions. But rather than being presented as missions, it's it, it's more open that, and you can obviously tackle them in any order to a certain extent. So it feels more naturalistic than just having a list of objectives on a menu that you're ticking off one by one. Yeah, I think so. I think so, and it fits in better with the task at hand, which is mm. survival. Each one ups the potential for your survival, and and that is part of the story really the other side of the story is once you fix your radio you start getting messages from other crew who have crash landed on the on the planet well also from the aurora yes so that you might have one come in from life pod six and life pod six is uh, they tell you we've crash landed in this area and there's a snake-like creature outside trying to get in no. we don't know what to do so you get you go over Leave to life alone. Pod 
Exactly. Well, I didn't. I went over to find LifePod 6, and LifePod 6, unfortunately, had been broken open, and nobody alive, mm-hmm. nobody was left alive. And that actually happens to be how things tend to go when you, find, when you get radio transmissions from people. Invariably, they are no longer alive. Now, when we talked on Sunday, I talked to you about another radio transmission that I'd had from a, a passing starship that was intending to rescue me. Do you remember me talking about that? I do, yes. And it gave me a 40-minute countdown. Yeah. I was at this point in the game. It gave me a 40-minute countdown. Now, this is going to be quite a major story spoiler. So if you... One, if you don't want me to spoil it, Chris, I don't have to. And two, if you are a listener, I'm telling you I'm about to spoil a, a part of the game. It happened for me about six hours in and it in the grand scheme of things isn't isn't important in terms of gameplay but in terms of story and set setting a mood it kind of is important so am i okay to spoil it for you chris go for it okay everybody else you've had a warning i've done a bit of preamble so you can tune out tune back in probably about three minutes from now maybe so this passing starship you get several messages leading up to a point where you get this 40 minute countdown and the four and they also give you a coordinate to go to to meet them so i went to this coordinate and i found my first piece of land which was a real surprise like i hadn't realized there was even land in the game and i got up on land went around the corner and there was more than land there was this huge huge alien building so my task then became get inside the alien building in the 40 minutes that I'm waiting for these people to rescue me. And I got inside the alien building. I started moving around, looking around and I got, it seemed to want me to get to the control room. So I got a few prompts to go to the control room. I got to the control room, got in there with six minutes before these people arrived and tried to do something with the control room. And the control room told me that it took a biopsy from my arm. And it told me that I can't operate the control room because I am infected. Oh, only uninfected people can operate this alien control room. So I knew I was infected at that prior to that point, but I still aren't. I'm not really sure what this control room or, or what the aliens are. I then went outside to wait for the people and they they started to come in and land on the planet. And I was getting radio calls from them to tell me that they were going to land. And as they as they came in, this alien building lit up and shot them out of the sky and they exploded in spectacular fashion. Wow. I now think that if I'd been able to operate the control room, I would have been able to stop them from being killed and possibly potentially get rescued however i'm not entirely sure on that it might be an, e- an early way to finish the game do you see what i mean but again i like the fact that the game is making you ask those questions it's not making it yeah. clear for you that's really clever yeah and like it, it's almost like play the game again and see if you can it's like a challenge almost yeah. like a speedrunner's challenge can you get yourself to a point where you can operate the control room within the space of six hours so that you can be rescued quickly mm. as it is i was left again stranded with the aftermath of this explosion in the sky i've had to go back to crafting and figuring things out and trying to trying to get myself rescued i have found another island which when, had when the ship got blown out of the sky did you scream wilson like in castaway <laughs> no no but i was genuinely shocked like i i had kind of looked into whether the game was about to end because i was a bit worried that this was like a countdown to the game definitely ending yeah and i but i didn't look into it enough to know that it was going to get shot out of the sky and such spectacular way and i was a bit like jesus christ uh that is that that's not cool (laughs) and i felt abandoned as well i actually had feelings of Mm. abandonment so that again it was one of those reef back leviathan moments where it's like 
Wow. Mm. So I forgot to come back around to whether your daughter would like it. And I think uh, so far, there are some elements that I think would probably need, you'd need to vet a little bit oh, right, um, okay. in terms like I, I, I'll tell you off, Mike, what sort of things maybe and try my best to not spoil things for you. Because I've been thinking while you were talking, the crafting side of it especially sounds similar to Animal Crossing, which she really enjoys doing that sort of stuff, you know, finding this and this to make this, which is essentially what you talked about is being quite key with this game however yeah well i'd say that first first off the crafting's quite a lot more in depth and oh, it's not it's not a bit as, more difficult to get your head around than than the crafting in animal crossing unsurprisingly it's not, it's not maybe. as simple as stick plus rock equals axe not well some things are and some things aren't and mm. some things are harder to find and some things are easy to find so okay. it's a bit of a mix really the other thing that i would say when hannah played this game for the first time she played it for a couple of hours but she really had to push herself to carry on the reason being, when she dived into the water, she her stomach lurched and she had this really weird oh, okay. reaction like to it because of the depth, I think. Because she she could re- she was really feeling the effects of being in the open ocean and being this far away from I genuinely the, made feel the, nauseous. Je- the ocean floor. Yeah, and she wow. hasn't been able to play it again. So uh, there's that to bear in mind as well. Like it, if you have an inclination towards vertigo, like don't like high places or you don't like the open ocean, then you might also, or your daughter might also mm. struggle in some ways in the same way that Hannah has. Lots of people get that playing VR games. Like isn't well, that's a, what I said to Hannah, yeah. yeah. Isn't there a VR game where it simulates being on a tightrope between two buildings and it really plays with people's perceptions because obviously you are on your front room floor in front of the telly, but yeah. people get really funny about it. I've only ever had that experience you talked about with Hannah. I have had that with games, but it's generally been in games like Batman or like San Andreas when I jump off a tall building. Obviously in San Andreas that would lead to, to death, but I, I have genuinely had that like that lurch in my stomach as if I it's actually me hurtling to the ground. And I agree, it's extremely unpleasant. Yeah, well, the last time Hannah had it, actually, was with Breath of the Wild on the bird oh, okay. on, the divi- on the bird divine beast yes yeah so when it you can you can make it bank mm. and when it banks you can see down its wing mm. down to the ground and she had great difficulty even getting through that because of the distance to the ground and the fact she was looking straight down at it so yeah i actually think i said to her it kind of speaks of the quality of the game because if a game can put you in a position where you feel like it have is a, having like physiological effects to you. Yeah, there's some they've done something right in a way. Yeah. Haven't they? Yeah. Um, which is interesting as well, because actually this developer, Unknown Worlds they're called, prior to making Subnautica, they made um in two thousand two they made a Half-Life mod, not not even a, an expansion. It was a mod, but quite a, an extensive one called Natural Selection. And it was uh, apparently, I've not played it myself, but it was a mix between first-person shooter and real-time strategy, which sound, makes it sound quite interesting. Mm. Then after that, they made a Sudoku game, I think called <laughs> right. Zen, Zen of Sudoku. Then in 2012, so 10 years after their initial mod, they made a sequel to Natural Selection called Natural Selection 2, which did the same sort of thing, but it was own fully-fledged game absent of Half-Life. And then they made this. So that's quite a catalogue. Yeah. What I'm surprised at, I, I haven't played Natural Selection, so I'm talking somewhat ignorantly, and I'm sure it was a very good, high quality thing. But it seems that they don't have too much behind them in terms of experiences that might lead them to make such a phenomenal. And I genuinely think this is a phenomenal game. I, I think everyone should play it. And that is made easier for a lot of people. 
because actually this is the reason that I have this game. I've been watching it for a while, but I have this game because of a PlayStation initiative called Play at Home, which is Sony's attempt to try and alleviate people's boredom during lockdowns around the world. Do you know about Play at Home? Well, I mean, you, you've described it there, haven't you? It sounds, it sounds very kind and applaudable. I cynically suspect that it does a ulterior motive of oh well done sony aren't you great going on there however that's probably a bit uncharitable i mean it is a bit but i've had the same cynical i've had the same cynical idea about it however they didn't have to go to the length that they've gone to they they've actually made 10 games free on playstation free forever you don't it's not like a time thing you get them now and you you can keep all 10 games and they're not small games i was gonna say is it 10 sudoku games but Carry on. Well, the first one that they released in March was Ratchet and Clank, the remake of the the original game that was a tie into the film that they released a couple of years ago. Have oh, you played yeah. that one? I know you're a Ratchet and Clank. I think fan. I, I think I even watched the film and it was pretty terrible. That's why I'm not completely sure if I've watched it or not. However, the first game is fantastic. I used to pass a lot on the PS2 back in the day. I've not played the remake on PS4 because I don't have a PS4. However, I know that it would be great because the original game was fantastic. Yeah, it is a good game. So that was how they opened up. Then that's they a, then they followed that up a good, with good start. A, yeah, they followed that up with a series of indie games and VR games. So they released Res Infinite, or they sorry they made free Res Infinite. Yeah, Subnautica, uh, obviously uh, Enter the Gungeon, mm-hmm. and The Witness. But the Witness is one of my favourite games ever. It's I think the, it's fantastic by the Braid Guy. Yep. Braid Guy. Yeah, it's by Braid Guy. The fifth of the non-VR games was Abzu. So actually, oh. if you have a PlayStation, you can pick up Abzu and Subnautica alongside one another and play them uh, for free. Then, you, then you've got the four VR games, Moss, Thumper, Paper Beast, and Astrobot, all of which have got something... A lot of people have said good things about them. I've played Thumper of those, and I quite like it. It's a rhythm game that's on rails. Mm-hmm. The last game coming out in April is Horizon Zero Dawn. The complete edition of Horizon Zero Dawn includes all the DLC and things, and that was one of the biggest PlayStation 4 releases of the generation and a very good game so the the generosity of play at home just seems to trump the idea that they're doing it simply for charitable uh, sorry simply for cynical hmm. goodwill reasons you know yeah i suppose they could have just released one of those games and that would have been they could have still got the goodwill yeah yeah so if you're in a position where you don't have a ps4 or ps5 how else could you get your grubby mitts on subnautica Yep, it's available on Steam. It's available on various other platforms as well. Uh, I think it's available on Xbox. It's actually coming out on Nintendo Switch, so good for you, in May. Okay, And that is releasing at the same time as the sequel to Subnautica, Subnautica Below Zero. So, uh, yeah, you can grab both games and play them to your heart's content from May on the Nintendo Hmm. Switch. Talking of Steam, the last thing that I'll say about this, because I thought this was a really interesting thing, and one of the things that actually got me interested in the game, this is actually an early access game. Technically, this game hasn't been released yet on the PC because it's still in early access. And early access, for anyone that doesn't know, is a Steam initiative where you can, as an indie developer, you can release a game sort of way ahead of time. People can get involved playing it and experiencing it and actually have a hand to some extent in shaping the game because their feedback can then be incorporated into how the game gets made going forward. The feedback system that was incorporated into Subnautica, it feels like a template for for how to do that kind of development right. Because right. they had this feedback system where you press on the PC, you press F8. On the on the PlayStation, you would you would pause it and say give feedback. Mm-hmm. And the feedback system logs your position on the map. Uh, it then asks you for a description of whatever you want to feedback on. And it asks you to rate your feedback with a 
smiley face so there'll be a really happy green smiley face a couple of sort of middling smiley faces getting progressively sadder Don't and then there's red, a red, red very sad angry face yeah. yeah um and they used this feedback system not just for bug hunting or bug reporting as you often find with this kind of early access thing it's mainly users can report bugs what they used it for was bugs yes but also for feelings you know like how how do you feel at this moment in time when you're playing it are you frustrated by this part of the game do you you really really like this part of the game and then they all of that feedback and because it's like the coordinates they could then map out presumably like what's exactly what i was going to say so for example your alien building you talked about i imagine if you logged your feedback at that point it will probably be from how you talked about it'll probably be a green smiley face whereas someone else might play it and then be at the other end of the spectrum maybe because they were crossed because they were infected and they couldn't get rescued or something so they can then map out and i'm guessing they can then fine-tune those experiences and then use that to develop it even further the magic of it really was that they mapped it they put the Mm. the the way the developers were given this data was on a map so you might see a cluster of very tightly packed green smiley faces has appeared on this new build that we've put out why are people having a very positive response in this specific area let's have a look at that feedback are they talking about the same things yes Mm. they are we need to look at why everyone likes this thing so a perfect example is the reef bat leviathans Mm. if people are having the same experience as me and people were where it's like awe inspiring then they can make sure that they work on those reef bat leviathans and make them the best they can be conversely something that they didn't expect one of the experiences that people were having with those reef bats was terror because there are people that are scared of uh, like whales they don't like the idea of whales the idea that a whale is so big that it could kill you by accident i've heard <laughs> bandied around you know right. like they they you're so insignificant to a whale i i understand that it's never since crossed my mind i don't i think a whale would feel bad if it hurt you or I think it could swallow you and not really register that it swallowed you, except maybe a bit of gas later on. If Pinocchio teaches us anything, it's definitely that. Have you seen that video that went round the internet a few years ago about of humpback whales that were surfacing they came up from very deep about four of them they'd been corralling fish into a very small space so that they could then come up underneath and scoop yeah, them up in their yeah. huge but what they didn't realize was there were divers in the water and these four humpback whales came up on all sides of this one diver and he basically nearly got swallowed by accident crikey that's what terrifies people about whales and that was what was on people's minds when they came across these reef backs they didn't like the experience of being near something so big that could see you as inconsequential and insignificant well i guess going back to what we talked about when we discussed the leviathans the experiences you and i both had with the dragons on breath of the wild yeah because i I was exactly the same as you you know what is this thing i my initial reaction was to be absolutely terrified of it because i'm not sure so okay i I can i can see the point yeah and that feedback system because it was so intuitive and because it was so easy to send that feedback and because it wasn't necessarily simply for bugs it was also to gauge player experience and player reaction it picked that up and it allowed them to finesse things with the with the reef bat leviathan and it did so in lots and lots of different ways so yes it was catching bugs but it was also catching experiences so all those frustrating bits they Mm. could shave those off and they could they could refine those to make them less or or not at all frustrating all of those brilliant or inspiring moments they could heighten um to to the nth degree or to wherever they wanted to so that it gave them really fine tune um, fine tune control over the experience from start to finish and i think one this game is fantastic they've done a really really good job and two i don't know if it would necessarily have 
got where it got without being an early access game with such a robust feedback system that took into account player experience as much as it took in bug reports. So yeah, early access success. Okay, thank you for that, Ashley. We are talking about this game today. We're releasing this on the 8th of April 2021 because this whole Sony promotion to get this game for free runs out on yes. the 23rd of April. So it we wanted does. to talk about this game this week so people had the maximum amount of time really to get it and to ensure they got it before it was no longer free. It's £25 yeah. on Steam so that gives you a bit of indication as to what sort of price it would be without this promotion. So it's definitely worth getting if it's free. Even even without being full price, um, even the cheapest price on PC at the moment is £15.59 according to Is There Any Deal? So right. it's, still, it's still a significant sum. Mm. And Sony at the moment are giving it to you and it's well worth having. So yeah, I hope everybody that does play it enjoys it. Do let me know what you think to it because I'm I'm enjoying the socks off it. And I think, as I say, I think you will, Chris. Mm. And I think lots and lots of people will. So yeah, pick it up. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. If you want to come and uh, say hello to us and if you've had any experiences with Subnautica you want to share, then please join us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or YouTube. And remember to like, share, subscribe, review five stars send us a carrier pigeon tell us how well we're doing all that jazz that'd be great thank you very much yes please i specifically like the carrier pigeon if that's okay thank you Uh, thanks for listening have a good week goodbye bye